Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I'm Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode 44 and a half of the North Meet South web podcast. Is that a marshmallow? Um, it is a marshmallow. <laughs> we were going to have a fire tonight and do marshmallows, but we ran out of time. Yeah. So as I was telling you moments ago, yeah, it was a beautiful day today. It was like 90, something like that. Ooh. So I got quite a bit of sun. Sounds good. It was, yeah. it was fun. Yeah, it was beautiful. We were out in the pool today and had a friend over. My little guy had a friend over. So they were outside all day, like four hours in the pool today, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. And um, I was out there with them most of the time. And mowed the lawn and, you know, just hung out with the kids. It was great. It was a good day. Nice. Good day. Yeah. So How the you? weather's obviously been nice enough, consistently enough to get the pool pool all opened yes. up and ready to go. Yeah. I finally got the the levels all where they need to be. So that's kind of the trick is, you know, you get it open and then you spend a while trying to get everything to like level out. So you've got your bromine, you've got your chlorine, you've got your alkalinity, you got your pH, stabilizer, blah, blah, blah. There's like a million different things that you could be worried about. But it's all within tolerable ranges right now. And so nobody's like flesh is going to melt off when they jump in and it looks yeah. relatively clean. So yeah. where's the fun in that? Yeah, I know, right? I mean, everybody needs to like leave the pool with like some sore eyes and stuff. But, you know, mm. no, nah, mm. it's, it's good. That's it's good. been really fun. We're really enjoying it. So. This was the vision that I, I had when we uh, bought this house. It was like long summer days like in the pool. So Nice. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Our weather's been a bit the opposite. It's been like cold. I mean, obviously, it's coming into winter for us. So it's been a bit cold right, and right. dreary for the last couple of weeks. But then Friday and Saturday this week, we just had nice weather. It was, it was 20 degrees, nice. which is, I don't know, I guess... 70 ish 70 yeah okay. late late high 60s early 70s yeah, no, Fahrenheit. and uh, it, was, weather. it was very weird but yeah it's it's like overcast and and a bit drizzly today so yeah but it wasn't cold and, and it did not rain on me when i went for a walk this morning so that's nice no i love that 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 temperature like is perfect like 65 mm. to like 70 you know maybe even i don't know not yet 80 like that's like really, really perfect weather to just like be outside and yeah. active in, you yep. know, which is why. Okay. So like used to be in the summertime, it's like, oh man, like a 90 degree day. Like this is going to suck. Cause like the literally only thing you can do on a 90 degree day is like go to the water park or something like you can't, you know, anything above like 90, like you're going to be miserable outside. You're going to be so hot and yeah. sweaty and whatever. And so by like having a pool literally extends like the amount of time you can spend outside in the summer. And if it's a crappy day and it's like 70s or whatever, it's like perfect. Let's go play frisbee or go throw the ball around in the front yard or go ride bikes or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, that's I love that weather. I I love spring and fall. They're great. Yeah, it's good. And I mean, I work in a in an office in an office, right? So we've got this little office that's tucked away in an office and we've got a it was an emergency exit that that is the door in our office. It is no longer an emergency exit because we have put a chair in front of it. (laughs) <laughs> and um, it's got like a frosted frosted glass door. So we can't actually see outside. And when we moved into this office, it was still summer. So the glare from there, especially when I sit with my back to it, so it like hits my monitor yep. and I can't see yep. anything. So we put a cover over it so that it's it's quite dark in there pretty much all the time. So I don't even know until I, I left work and it was already starting to get dark at that point. But it was just blue skies, beautiful, beautiful times all around. Uh, so I made so made the most of it yesterday. We went and had our um our maternity photo shoot yesterday. So looking forward to getting awesome. the photos back from that. They looked yeah, man. I was a bit because <laughs> I stuck my foot in it because I was like, oh, you know, all those photos that look dumb and you know you're doing all the same dumb poses with the hands and all oh, of that. No. And then Ray's like, I really want to have maternity photo shoot, and I was like. <laughs> Okay. Honey, yeah, that's no, a great I'm sure idea. they're, they're great. Yeah. So we saw the photos that the photographer took, you know, just on her camera, and they look really good. I can't wait to see them. So she took us out into like this. It was a like it's next to a school that had like the a bush. little stream, and she took you some, out into the bush. 
Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> it's it's getting that time of year, you know, all the leaves were starting to turn, so there was yellows and reds and things like that. So, oh, that's cool. But, uh, yeah, the, the photos that, that we saw that she showed us, they look really good. So we'll go and I think we're going back to see the photographer on Friday this week and uh, we'll get to pick which ones we want and go from there. But, uh, yeah, it, did it you have any like uh, Did you have any Aborigines photobombing you in the background? No, no, we did not. No, or actually See, San no, Diego just, San Diego, I don't know if you saw this, San Diego just opened this Walkabout Australia exhibit at the San Diego Zoo. Okay. And uh, very, it didn't go very well because they had some Maori people like doing doing their traditional dances and stuff. Unfortunately for the San Diego Zoo, the Maori people are from New Zealand, not Australia. So oh. that didn't go very well for them on social media. And they're like, no, no, they're they're native people to both countries. No, they're not. Not at all. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the Maori are like Polynesians, so they come from, you know, there's Tonga and things like that where those Polynesian people are from. But our Indigenous people are, are definitely not Polynesian. So, yeah, there was a bit of a bit of a snafu there, I think. So let's ask the question that everybody wants to know. How's your wife doing? She's going well. She was, this was due to be her last week before she went on maternity leave. But uh, last week, at the start of last week, she said to me, like, it's just getting too hard. I'm sore all the time at the end of the day. And I said, she goes, but there's work to do. And I said, yeah, but the work will be there on Tuesday and the work will be there on Wednesday and the work will be there when you come back from maternity leave. Like your job now, I suppose, is just to look after yourself and look after the baby. So yeah, she made it through this week and Wednesday she was still sort of on the fence about it and uh, things have been a bit, political at her work and she just said look stuff it she's had enough she told her boss who just came back from like a six-week vacation in the u.s you know i'm i'm gonna take next week as as annual leave and then go on maternity leave so she's she's done now and nice just, good for yeah, her yeah just you know spending a bit of time to herself and just relaxing as much as she can i hope hopefully she doesn't uh stress herself out or try and do too much but i think she's starting to like her body's starting to push back on that kind of stuff and she gets a bit yeah, a bit crampy and a bit sore. So she's starting to realize that her limits come a bit sooner and, and just dealing with those as, as they come along. So the sleep is getting a little bit more broken. She slept in the spare room last night. She said, oh, I don't want to wake you, you know. I said, well, you, you won't wake me. I am, like when I'm asleep, I, I'm like a log. I'm not moving until I wake up. So, but she's, you know, she went to the spare room and she said, oh, she's slept in, you know, four blocks of two or three hours at a time. I said, I think your body's just getting you ready for something. Yeah. So I wouldn't worry yeah. about it too much. But um, yeah, yeah, she's she's good other than that. So good, yeah. dude, crazy, crazy times. Yeah. Crazy, crazy times. I'm super, uh, super excited very close. for you guys. Yeah, we yeah. have 34 weeks tomorrow. So wow. It won't, won't right be around long. the corner. Yeah, four, what, four to six-ish, depending on if yep. we think that we we all suspect that the baby's going to come early, but, you know, whenever it gets here, it gets here. And if it pushes out late, then the obstetrician, I said, well, just tell us when we're not going to chance it because you hear some scary stories about people that are like, oh, no, you know, I want to wait until I go into labor and things like that. And it doesn't doesn't always go well for some people. Right. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll play it by the professional's ear. And uh, yep. if if it comes to that, for sure. Yeah. You know, it's like the great thing too is like, I mean, survivability, like at this point, she's, you know, if the yeah. baby was born now, baby would be totally fine. Yeah. Like yeah. Well, we had know. a friend who delivered at 32 weeks and their son is going to be starting school next year. So he's four. So yeah. 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 We're not, we're not too worried. Which is awesome, yeah. You know, any any time now, and you know, the sooner it comes, obviously the the better. The you know, whenever whenever they're here, they're here. It'd be great. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, we're rounding the corner on uh, ten minutes here, so why don't we jump into it? Yeah. Uh, hey, everybody, thanks for joining us for another North Meet South. It has been a while. Um, mm. Michael and I have both been busy, as you can kind of hear. I've been busy doing nothing but relaxing around the pool. Not true. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I've been busy with work, of course, and all that good stuff and with, uh, kids and finishing up the school year. So my son just finished up the school year. Uh, had his last day Thursday last week, which was, mm -hmm. uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Wait, 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 this week it's Saturday. He, it was last day it was Thursday. Yeah. So he's really excited to be home for the summer and 
we're super stoked to have all the kids together again and mm-hmm. just be waking up in the morning and having all four kids here. It's been, it's been really cool. So nice. um, anyway, our apologies for being so busy. Michael's yeah. been uh, keeping up with baby stuff there. And so uh, we're back for at least an episode and hopefully uh, we'll, I mean, be able to make this a little more regular uh, again, yeah. but we've only missed two weeks. I mean, so come on, we're, we've been pretty, we've been pretty solid. Yeah. So, well, you know, I've been busy in and out with, with baby stuff. And once the baby's here, I think it'll be more in than out. I don't think we'll be spending too many weekends away from home, at least for the first month or three or whatever. So sure. Yep. yep. See how we go. Absolutely. Uh, well, let's kind of talk about what we're working on. So I was talking a little bit about this in one of our chats recently and kind of how my role has transitioned into less of coding and more, um, like mentoring slash code review slash strategy and architecture decisions, um, which is fine. Uh, what we were kind of talking about is like as you advance in your career, that's just kind of unfortunately sometimes the natural path that things take. And I think the reason this came up was because David Hemphill had kind of said, hey, the, rec- the, the people I admire or have been recently looking up to are people who are able to still maintain their large chunks of time where they actually just spend getting lost in code and digging in and doing code stuff, but still run successful businesses and are able to make a good amount of money. And so, yeah, I kind of, I wish for that for myself too. And so I've been thinking about it. And uh, there's this book that I read a little while ago called Deep Work. It just talks about basically structuring your day to allow you to be able to do deep work and kind of how shallow work, like answering emails and closing tickets and doing that sort of stuff is really overvalued in our work environments today, like, you know, if, if you answered a bunch of emails and closed a bunch of tickets, that's seen as a productive day when in fact, mm. uh, you've really done nothing to kind of move the ball forward on like larger strategic vision stuff. But you were able to, you know, look busy or, or feel like you're doing stuff because you're checking it off the list when in fact, uh, the much more valuable thing you could be doing is actually just setting aside four hours of your day to just focus on you know, solving strategic problems for the business or, or thinking through difficult problems uh, that really never get addressed unless you plan the time to do it. So I think I'd like to do that a little bit more kind of just plan my day around. And I was doing this for a while where I'd be like, okay, in the morning, I have my developer meeting with my junior dev at like 815. We plan the day out and do any code reviews from the previous day until like nine o'clock. Then I kind of dispatch him for the day or for until like 1230. He does a quick check in like five minute check in at 1230, just so I can see if he has any questions and stuff. And then, you know, I basically check in with him again at the end of the day. So I have that time, but it's been right now, it's been taken up with meetings and those sorts of things. But uh, in the reading that I was doing, they say it takes about 25 minutes to get into a flow state. So you essentially just have to like chunk out that time and be like, all right, I'm going to dedicate this time to be able to do this. And so I'm going to get back into doing that. And that's been something I've been thinking about recently. So mm. I'm hoping to kind of do that. And I've got some big problems like uh, to solve coming up recently. Like technical are, problems? Are coming up. Yeah, technical problems. Right. Coming up soon. And I've got a couple solutions that we can talk about that I've been thinking through. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're just going to take some time and dedication to think through them. Uh, some of the more like crud sort of things I've been able to really pretty easily dispatch to my other developer. And just say like, hey, this is the stuff that I need done. This is a crud app. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of stuff to like think about in this. This is basically just here's what it is. And then I kind of help him step through like user experience, testing on it. And like, hey, let me just sanity check here. Let's look at your code and make sure that this makes sense to somebody who didn't write it kind of thing. So those are things I can have him do, which is helpful because I don't really, I don't know. I kind of miss doing some of that stuff sometimes. But yeah, yeah, the more difficult ones are the ones that I really like to be able to jump in on and, and help with. So. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's kind of a um, brief skim over kind of what I'm dealing with recently. I'll dive in a little bit more kind of maybe after we've heard some of what you're, you've been up to recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah my, mine's kind of the same, but different at the same time as what you've experiencing. Luckily for me, I'm still reasonably deep in the code. We're not. That's good. We're yeah. not big enough. Yeah. We're not big enough an organization at the moment, even since the acquisition late last year, where there are a lot of meetings. But that means the opposite problem in that there's not a lot of clear direction. Yeah. And I I sat down with our general manager and I said, I just feel like I'm not getting anything done because, you know, you start one thing and then the next thing comes up and it's like, I can't work on that thing. And, and then they come back to you and like, where's that first thing? It's like, well, I stopped the first thing because you asked me to do the second thing kind of thing. And um, everyone sort of has their own top priority item, but no one across organizational units necessarily knows what the overall priority is for everything. 
Yeah. Um, so when we had our monthly capability meeting, I, you know, I sort of brought that up and I said, not stepping on anyone's toes or, or saying anyone's doing anything. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just the way the business has been run. So, you know, if we're going to expect things to actually get finished, then, then we need to have an understanding of what, you know, what the milestones are and what the roadmap looks like yeah. across the organization, not just everyone having their own bits and pieces. Because then not only do I feel like I'm not getting anything done, but everyone else feels like nothing's getting done, like my thing's not being worked right. on because you're working on this other thing. And and then as part of the acquisition, there's a lot of merging of systems and information. So the other developer that that was in my team is now been shuffled off to a different team and he's working primarily on a lot of that stuff but it's you know it's hard to get his time to come and and work on project stuff in my space now and not that not that he doesn't or he, he's not allowed to or anything like that but it's it's more difficult to get time from them because they're working on their own projects yeah and so you know it gets to the point where there's not a lot of work necessarily like i could do it it's just that it's the day-to-day kind of stuff because i'm in the office with the frontline staff i get the the queries that would ordinarily go into an email or would go into like a black hole kind of thing where you know it goes from the frontline staff to the team leader the team leader would sit on it and they'd collect all that kind of stuff and they would report it periodically whereas now it's like you know everything is hey what about this or i think i found this thing or whatever so I think I just need to get back to, you know, really saying like unless something is broken and you cannot do your job, it needs to go. And, and you know, I've had to do this a couple of times and then you sort of slack off on it a bit and then it starts to creep up again. So you've got to go, okay, well, you know, it's just a matter of, I guess, sticking to things that, that work and actually making sure that people follow those kind of procedures rather than just yeah okay let me just look at that and then before you know it you've lost an hour or you've lost two hours or whatever else working on different things so but yeah the general manager just said to me you know do we need to hire someone else you know is there too much work i said well there's not too much work and you know we've got the other developer and we'll get them back eventually but i don't know what the direction is so i don't know 100 percent if we're going to get that other developer back to work on this day-to-day stuff so it'll be interesting to see what happens there's talk that the two developers we brought on at the start of the year, they've basically mapped out their project until January of next year. So they've got plenty to do. And uh, our group CEO is like, well, what if we brought on another developer? Could we, you know, bring that timeline forward? I said, well, maybe, you know, we might probably spend not month... though, because the first month or so is spent yeah. training that person. Yeah, it'll yeah. be onboarding and, and that kind of stuff. So uh, I, if we can bring someone on that at least understands the framework and maybe has telecommunications experience, then it wouldn't necessarily be the the most difficult training period. All of that stuff's very greenfield, so it's all like it's Laravel, Laravel, not bespoke yeah, yeah. or or patched together stuff that that you might be familiar with. So you know we might get away with it, and that means that we would have a backend developer working on you know their set of things. And then another one working on a separate set of functionality in side by side. And and that would work given what we're trying to achieve. But our holdups would still be certification where we finish the work and then we send it off to the you know the upstream provider to to then certify all of what we've done is correct. So Yeah. But I haven't, you know, I just got a phone call one day and it's like, we should get another developer and then that's all I heard from it. So yeah, it's it's tricky at the at the yeah. moment. But yeah, th- you know, things are always uh, busy and there's always new challenges. And I was talking with you and, and a few of the other guys on, on Telegram about the challenges that I had this week and trying to figure out how I could uh, make database or make eloquent relationships on columns that don't exist. So yeah. <laughs> we got there in the end. That was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I was going to say, so like you have this certification team. So the one advantage I do have is I really honestly do have access to the entire anybody that I need, we're all in one building right now. That's going to be changing in October. We're going to have two locations, which is going to make it a little more difficult. Uh, it's still in town though. So if I need to go, like it's 15 minute drive probably. Mm. Well, that is going to make it a little more difficult. But right now, what we've kind of adopted is a very, very rapid prototyping sort of process that we're using to kind of drive out the development of these things. Yep. So what we've done recently is we've met with the person and we've outlined what they what we think they need. 
and what they think they need, just kind of listen more than anything. And then we put together, like we just whiteboard, like flow, like here are the pages, here are the affordances on the page, here how you go, here's how you go from one page to the next. And then we have them come in and we say, okay, does this make sense? So we have this page, we have this new training, you know, you make a create a new training here and then you have the sign-in sheet that you print off and the course materials. And then the person, you know, says, okay, complete training. Okay. Does this make sense? Like we literally have done no code and we haven't even mocked anything. We've just mm-hmm. like the walk through it. Oh, well, what about this change? And it's super nice because you can literally make that change in two seconds. It takes no time at all. Yeah. So that's been really cool. And then after that, after we kind of iterate on that a little bit, and that helps with naming too, because we ha- hammer out the names at that point as well. So that's also a lot easier because you're not asking, I'm not asking the developer to change names in code, which is like a refactor yeah. kind of thing, you know? Yeah. It's very much like it's, we can have heated discussions about it, but at the end of the day, the, the amount of work that it takes to actually change it is you erase it on the whiteboard and change it. And that's it. So after we've hammered out that, then what we do is we create, like he creates in Keynote, very, very simple, super simple mocks, mockups. And all I've had him displaying on those pages is what fields are being displayed and what fields are being are editable, right? And what buttons there are to click, and that's it. And then we do walk through the sta- walk through it with the stakeholders again. What mm-hmm. needs to change? What things do we need to modify? At this point, we've agreed on all the names. Now we're just talking through the screens. And then once that's hammered down, and once we've nailed all that down, then he starts to write the code. And so by that point, there's no disagreements about well, how do we want to name this, or really any of that stuff it's more like okay yeah. is the code clear well i know what you're trying to do but the code is not clear now so like that's what we're changing or this is not best practice or i would rather you do it this way but we're both on the same page as what it is we're trying to get done what we're trying to accomplish so that's been really helpful and it's a large it's a much larger time investment to get started but i've found that it has solved a lot of like there there would be times in the past where i would just be like screw it like i don't feel like I don't feel like the argument, it's not, I mean, I hate to say the argument, but like you feel bad, like making them go in and change a whole bunch of stuff because you don't like the name of something, Yeah, yeah. you know? And now it's like, I have no hesitation about that because it doesn't cost anything. It's free. Mm-hmm. And I just mm-hmm. change it. And so I've been much happier with the code that's been coming out because I have much more upfront say. And then I can say in the code review, well, that's not what we agreed on. Like we decided yeah. not to call it that. We actually yeah. decided to call it courses, not, not trainings. So mm-hmm. We need to make that courses like so. Anyway, that's been something we've been doing, and it's been really helpful for me and helpful for him because his um, his personality type is one where it's like very much like I'm fly by the seat of my pants, like I'll figure it out as I go kind of thing. Yeah, and he's very much like I need to see the entire plan up front before we start. Like he needs mm-hmm. that for his or his yeah. you know brain. Yeah, so that's been kind of cool. That's been one thing we've been working with. Yeah, and I think the the best work that I ever did was when I was working with like a proper UX person and they sat down and they figured out all of the story points and all of the, you know, screens and what everything looked like, what all of the client requirements were. They had all the answers to all of the questions because they'd already asked all of the questions. So by the time it came to me, it was like, go build this thing, this exact thing. Exactly. And I just built that thing and it got delivered on time and it did what the client asked and it needed to do. And and that was basically it. There was no you know, no question about it. And like, if that's not how you go about things, it's a difficult mindset to get into, but you have to live it and see the value that it actually brings in, you know, delivering something that actually works, that does what is meant to do and, you know, fulfills the needs of the business or the client or, you know, whoever your stakeholders are. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it feels like, Oh my gosh, it's taking so long to get started on this thing. Like, man, yeah. it feels like we've spent a week on just the planning portion of it, but it's like it's taking forever to get this thing delivered. And it's like the reality is what would previously happen is it would be a week of development and you'd have a product that you'd turn out and then you'd show it to them and be like, ta da, here it is. And they say, oh, yeah. Well, no, actually, I- can it do this? Because that, that's actually not even how we use this. And it's like, yeah. oh my gosh. So then it'd be another week fixing stuff. And now you're having to make like, now you're having to like change it around, you know? And so your code is not clear at all because now you're having to make like, you're having to change it from what your original idea was, you know? So it's just, it's not as, and so with this method, it does seem like it takes longer, but at the end you have a much more satisfactory result Mm -hmm. and you can ship a, um, 
a minimum viable product, right? So this idea of like, okay, I know this is the feature set that we're eventually going for, yeah. but I can say like, okay, we're going to make a clean cut right here. And this is what we're doing this month. That's yeah. what we're going to get done for you this month. And we will revisit this in the future and we will get done the next section of it. But we can, you know, you can kind of section it up like that. Uh, and, once I mean, you have when all you, the requirements on the page. Yeah, and when you know what your requirements are, you know what your tests look like up front as well because you can write yes. those out and then fill them out, which I yep. did on a on a piece of work that I did a couple of weeks ago around some promotional stuff that we're doing. And I said, you know, what about this? What about this? What happens if the customer exits their contract before they, you know, what do we do in that scenario? What do we do yes. if the customer, you know, if we give them th- six months free, what if they use three months like do we charge them for those three months if they exit their contract and things like that so i had all the test cases and once you understand all that is well then writing the code is easy because all you have to do is make those test cases pass so now whether that's you know a php unit test or a feature test or a dusk test or a you know whatever whatever that test is as long as you know what the business requirements are you can make sure that your code does that thing or that your application does that thing so that's something that i don't think has really happened in the business i'm at previously Uh, and and people kind of even now that i've been there almost a year you know they still get a little bit surprised that that that's how i approach things i say you know they go can i do this thing i said well is that how you actually do that or is that how you want to do that like what is your process what do you actually expect to be able to do and then we will go from that angle because there's no point in me going this is how you should do it because that may not be how they work so and you know i think a a smart developer realizes that if you say to your stakeholders like what do you want that also buys you a little bit of time in in being able to deliver that because it means they actually have to think about what they want and that way, when you deliver what they want, it's like, well, this is what you asked for. And that's not to say that like you leave it entirely up to them, obviously. Sure. You need to, you know, be the developer and be the the subject expert on your side of the equation that says, well, we can't implement it like that, or that doesn't work technically, or, you know, our system doesn't support that, or we'd have to change this other thing to bring that in. But if you at least engage with your stakeholders to understand how they're going or how they anticipate to use the system, that's when, you know, you're actually going to deliver something that is of value to them as opposed to going, you know, they come to you with an idea and you're like, yep, this is how I think it should go and here it is and then you ship it and they say, well, this is not how we use it and you go, yeah, but that's what the system is and that's how it has to be used now and it doesn't work. And all it does is just drives friction between your stakeholders and the developers and it's not not useful to anybody when that happens. Yeah, I'd so that is why I find it so funny when people are like, "Oh yeah, like if you want to be like antisocial, just sit in an office all day, be a developer." And it's like that's actually not true at all. Yeah, like you have not. to get out there and like if you want to be a good developer, anyways, you have to get out there and you really have to like dig yeah. in and like get in the trenches with these people who you're solving the problems for. And like at, at my job, like one of the things that we've kind of recognized is that we almost have to know the department that we're building a piece of software for better than the people who work in it. Like we mm-hmm. have to know all the ins and outs, how everything comes in, how everything leaves, who the people are, who does what, what are all the processes and understand all of it, the whole and the small pieces in order to be able to create software that's effectively going to solve their problems. So that's pretty much what I did this entire last week is I, so there's this big, huge thing that we're, that I'm working on it's like with chargebacks. So chargebacks are a huge thing, man. So like you can have somebody who gives you money and then six months later says, eh, change my mind, didn't mean it, chargeback. Yeah. And most yeah. of the time the bank just says, yep, screw you. Too bad guys. Like we have a consumer who says that they didn't actually mean to do that. And so they're, we're going to reverse that payment. And you pretty much can't do anything. Yeah. You literally, I mean, there's, even if you even if you have like valid proof like saying no no no, no. look at here they signed this contract here's yeah. the here's the account number here's the date here's they signed this they electronically or, or otherwise like they said it was fine nope sorry yeah no, nothing you can do so we're the, the whole deal with that because we are you know we'll get money and then remit that to our clients who we are getting that money for and then if we have a chargeback the last thing you want to do is go to a client and say hey you know that money we sent you <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. What, you, what, would you, what would you think about sending that back? No, I mean, no, that's a, we do not want to do that. No. So all of the processes that we have in place to make sure that that doesn't happen, but it involves everyone. So it involves yeah. our banking department, it involves our, our core collections department, it involves our services team, it involves, you know, IT, it involves uh, collection managers and, and it's just everyone, literally everyone in the company has to, has to touch this thing. And so trying to figure out all the different pieces and all the different tracks and all the different sources of these different chargebacks and overpayments and things like that. So I was running around the whole company just taking notes and going from place to place and then putting together like I put like a four different flow charts. So that's kind of like where I was talking about the, you know, the things that I'm kind of starting to dig in with right now. I'm trying to find the best way to solve this problem. And the two things that I'm looking at right now are event sourcing and finite state machines. So the thing is, I know I could accomplish this and have accomplished similar things to this with just straight Laravel and, you know, my own ingenuity, right? Mm-hmm. But there are patterns out there that help to solve some of these really difficult problems in a uh, reasonable way and in a scalable way. So if the processes and the steps change in the future, that you can do that, do do so easily. So one package I actually wanted to mention, and since Spassi is like a sponsor for us, uh, I'm trying to remember what it is now. I'm going to have to go find it real quick in Slack. Okay, so it's a, it's a, a package that makes event sourcing in Laravel a breeze. Mm-hmm. This is coming back into vogue now in the in the Laravel community by the sounds of it. Yeah, it's interesting. It's really interesting. So, well, it's a, it's a package that Spassi is working on called Laravel Event Projector. So you have events and then you have projections, you have processors, and you have reactors in this. So an event is just an event that happens. I mean, just like you would think about any event that would happen in Laravel, right? You just dispatch an event and say, hey, this event is happening. Then you have a process. Actually, a projection, right, is like the current state of that thing. So based on all of the events that happened up to that point, a projection is like, here is the current state based on all the events, right? A projector is simply class that does some work when it hears some events come in. No, sorry, that's not right. Okay, yeah. So I'm sorry. That's I was I said processors. I meant projectors. So you have events, projectors, and then react uh, re- reactors. I think. Okay. So you have an event that fires, a projector that catches it and kind of like persists that thing. Mm-hmm. So it'll handle that whatever needs to whatever needs to be done at that point. Uh, and a lot of times it will be you know modifying state in the database or something like that. And then you also have uh, these reactors which can uh, essentially like send an email or do something like that, right? So uh, the nice thing is these events are all getting stored somewhere as well. So if you have a projector, for instance, that like is storing like or updating this state, like an account balance or something like that, you can in the future write a new projector that takes those same events and does something different. So like you can say, hey, if I'm looking at bank account balances, I want to find out who had the most transact- transactions in the month of May. Mm-hmm. Well, since you're storing all those events for all those all those transactions that happened, you can now write a new projector, say, uh, okay, every time I get a money added or money, you know, subtract money or add money event happening, I want to just increment this column in the database over here. So you write a new projector. And then you just replay those events for that projector. And now it will update everything to, to do that. So that it's, it's really nice that you can essentially infer new information based on those same events uh, and just replay the events to gather that information, which is pretty cool. So yeah. if you replay those events, uh, projectors will kind of take them into account, but the reactors won't. So like reactors again are like, hey, if there's an account balance that's an increase of over $900, we want you to email this person and let them know. Or if there's a withdrawal over this amount, we want you to let this person know. So those reactors will not fire when, when an event is replayed. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's a really cool package. It looks really interesting. And I like the idea of being able to replay events and get different information off of it. The, the trick that I have is that I have these really complicated flows where I could have like three or four parallel tracks going on at a time based on what's based on what's happened with this particular chargeback or overpayment. So that's where I'm looking at these finite state machines. And I think that's really kind of where I'm going to head, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. As I said, this is all coming back into vogue, like event sourcing and, you know, the command bus stuff. The Laravel community went through in like the early four days. And I think... You know, uh, Frank and and Spazia are looking at a little bit now. I think Frank de Jong 
is is got the event source event source uh, yeah event source yeah he's released that recently Sean McCall's popped back up and is is talking about event sourcing again a little bit. He's been using that quite a lot over the last few years. Um, he was on he was on that podcast with Bo and Dave that came out this past week. And like Frank Deong has been on Full Stack Radio with Adam, Full Stack, yeah, yeah, as well recently. So you know, it's this it's this kind of thing that if you stick around a community long enough, you'll you'll see these things come and go. I obviously. Event sourcing is something that you wouldn't use for everything. Like if you're building Correct. a blog or a to-do app, other than purely as an academic process to see how it works, you probably wouldn't event source it. But if you're dealing with, you know, like you are you are and like even us really um, having a replayable history of all of the events and transactions and things uh, would be really useful. We track changes against like service records and things like that in the database. We have a separate table of changes. We know when a plan ID changed from, you know, one to two or if a customer did certain actions. But for a lot of it, it's like sometimes if we increase plan quotas, we just increase the quotas of the plans that people are already on. We don't create new ones necessarily and then move customers to them. So you might see the only, the only way that you know is obviously one, if you were there, and two, you would see like from one month to the other that the plan name changed, but there was no indication that a plan change had occurred. So, you know, things like that where realistically we probably should create new plans and just move everyone onto them so that at least we have that history of changes. But, But, you know, when you get asked retrospectively, hey, can you tell me how many customers we had a year ago and what plans they were on and which were our popular plans a year ago and compare that to now, it's like, no, or well, I can, but I need to go and find all the customers that were active at that time, and then I have to go and right. like pour through the change log and see, like, was the plan that they were originally on the same plan that they were on at that time, or was there a change record? And if there was a change record, had that change happened by the time you know by this date that you've picked? Well, I don't know. So, yeah, that I mean, that kind of stuff, for my understanding, would be really a good use case for having an event source system because you can replay things up to a certain point and see where they're at. It allows you to, you know, rebuild your data database. Well, not the database, but the data in the database to a point and see, you know, where things were at. So from a reporting perspective, that's really useful, but also from audit and things like that, which would probably be more important in your case than than ours, I think. Yeah, no, I think that's really interesting kind of how you bring it about that aspect, like the reporting aspect, which I hadn't thought about. I tend to think about it sort of in some way where I say like, okay, I want to be able to trend data over like these last years. But what I end up doing is I end up just snapshotting stuff. Um, yeah. And that's is, traditionally okay. how you probably would have done it, right? You would have just taken right. like every day you would have taken a snapshot of the data and it's like, well, this is this day. And then at the end of the week, you would take a snapshot of the last seven snapshots. And at the end of the month, you would have taken a snapshot of the month's worth of snapshots and then the year and whatever else. And then you would yeah. have that that kind of data, which is, I think is how Spark, Laravel Spark does its right. reporting. Yeah, so it does mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So The only trick with that is like, if there's a value that you weren't tracking that you want to find out information about, you're screwed. You can't go backwards and get that information. Like what you have is what you have and that's it. Yeah. Whatever you snapshot is what you snapshot. And if it's not in that snapshot, you can't go back and get it. It's not there. So that's that's where it kind of breaks down is like you have to say like, okay, you know, what's all the information we're going to possibly need? And then if a year from now that changes, you can't see what it was a year ago. You can only see it from the time you start tracking that data moving forward. Just as a kind of like a low level implementation of this, if if like all you're interested in seeing is like, hey, what values changed and what updated? Because like, you know, the, th- the difficult thing about like uh, having it just in the database is it only represents the current state of that object. So if I have, so for instance, we have another app or, you know, another thing that we were just building where we're keeping track. It's almost like an HR sort of app. We're like, okay, here's the person's hire date and here's any qualifications that they have that we like give extra credit for. So like if, if I earned Laravel certification or whatever, I get like essentially like bonus points if you want to think of it that way. Mm-hmm. or if I've been with the company longer, I get more points. Or if I have like my relative position in the company, like where am I at? Like one through five, am I like a entry-level worker? Am I a skilled worker? Am I a manager? Am I a 
uh, director or am I like C-level, right? Like those are like the five positions. Yeah. Like, and there's like sub tiers within each one of those. What was my performance for the month? Those sorts of things. Like we track all those, but what's in the database right now is the current representation of where you are at. So if you wanted to see what you were at last month, too bad, so sad, you don't have it. Like we don't have that information. Yeah. So what we've done instead of implementing one of these really, really kind of overkill, overkill solutions for us, like we could have been like, hey, you know what? Let's use event sourcing and do that. But what we did instead is we used another package by Spassi called Activity Log. And you can just say, hey, uh, implement this trait uh, called Logs Activity, I think, yeah. uh, on the model itself. And then whenever values change, it just writes it to a history table and relates it to whatever model it is that you have it set for. So then you can, what we're doing is we're just showing like, hey, for this current employee, like if you go to their history tab, mm-hmm. it just shows you like, hey, they got this ad, this qualification added on this date or the number of hours that they're working used to be 40 and now it's 20. Uh, they went, you know, so they went from full-time to part-time mm-hmm. or, or they used to be a 2.1 employee, but they got moved up to leadership. So they're now in 3.1, you know, those sorts of things. So you can see that activity log and really, they're not things that are going to change that often. So you can yeah. go back and really kind of rebuild where they were at at, the, at, any, at a particular point. So, you know, there's, there's a whole, it's a whole spectrum of solutions that could be implemented at, for this, depending on what your needs are. Because sometimes it's, you know, it doesn't make sense to just go crazy, and, yeah. uh, you know, architecture astronaut every time. Yeah, it depends on, on what you're doing. If, you know, replayability and if you want to give the ability to look into historical points in time, easily and and you're going to be doing it often then you know event sourcing may be the the right maybe the right option for you if you just want to you know track history of something which which we're doing in this other greenfield stuff that these other two developers are doing you know we use that laravel audit log package from spartsy as well and you know that may be fine if you just need to be able to like if you want to occasionally go back and see where was this at or who did this kind of thing then that that may be a better option so yeah, take it obviously case by case. In in most cases, an audit trail may be sufficient. You know, if you're not looking at it that often, or if you know, if you look looking at it infrequently, you can go back and say when when was this thing on you know June of 2017 kind of thing. So, as opposed to like I need to know with reasonable degree of accuracy the state of all of our accounts and who was outstanding 12 months ago. Yeah, like it's yeah, it's the harder. Thing, the reason why. I think probably some of the proponents of event sourcing, what they would say is, well, by the time you realize you need it, if you had, if you don't have it, it's too late. Yeah. If you don't have the data, you know I mean? it's, like, it's no good to exactly. you. Yeah. Like by the time you realize like, Hey, you know what? We really need that data. Well, if you didn't start with event sourcing, it's, you can't get it. So I think they would probably say, start with event sourcing. And then when you need it, you'll have it available. Yeah. Which I mean, with some of the things that are kind of going on to make this like really easier to kind of like grok and, and really implement this package for Spassi is, is by far the. I'm so like I looked at I looked at event sauce and this is fine, but what what uh, Freak said here at the top of the page. Let me just read it here. So he said, you know, he says here getting if you're getting started with it, he says there's a couple cool options to start with. Proof or event sauce, they're really powerful packages. But if you're new to event sourcing, they can be really hard to get started with. So he wanted to create an easier entry point for Laravel users to get started with. And so that's why he built this new package. So it's integrated with Laravel. It allows you to easily store events, create projections and reactors, replaying events and more. And, you know, that's the thing I really like about this is he literally gives it all to you like right there. And you can, of course, that's what Spassi does. They're just amazing at that. So it gives you the biggest benefits of event sourcing out of the box and makes it super easy to do. Super easy to do. So... I'm sure that at some point in the future, we will use this. I can think of multiple apps that we've done in the past that I've, that I, I could see that this would be, you know, really helpful to have uh, and a couple that I'm thinking of right now where I like, sure. It would be nice if I knew event, like if I knew like the original. <laughs> so like we have, we have one application where it's like all the claims that come into our system. And if, if they ask me, Hey, what was the original? What did it come in as originally when the client sent it to us? No idea. Yeah. Don't have a clue. So if they could say, hey, did our entry operator screw it up? Or did they send it to us the wrong way? Couldn't tell you. Don't yeah. know. Yeah. I mean, that sucks. That's a really bad place. Yeah. We started doing that kind of tracking for our signups last year because people started asking, like, where did these things come from? I said, I don't know. Like we didn't, we didn't, we couldn't distinguish. Well, we could distinguish between an online sign up and an internal sign up by the presence of a note. 
because the online sign-up would say, you know, these are all of the things that the customer entered verbatim because we do some processing to some bits like addresses. We will take what they wrote and then we'll, tr- you know, throw it through Google Geocode to try and figure out what's going on and get a consistent address format. But we didn't know. And then, you know, did it come from the online sign-up or did it come internally? And then if it came internally, which staff member did it come from? Yep. And then yeah, we yeah. started tracking like which IP address did it come from because, you know, was it actually the customer or was it a, was it a staff member using the online sign-up from, you know, from their, you know, they had the customer on the phone and they're doing an online sign-up in our office so that we could tell when those kind of things were happening. So it's it's difficult. If you think there's a possibility you're going to need to know things down the future, it's better to have more data than to have no data because yeah. you can't you can't go back and, and retrospectively go and add these things because the, once once you don't have the data, you don't have the data unless you figure out how to build a time machine, in which case maybe you go forward in time and figure out how to earn lots of money so you didn't have to write this kind of code. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that is the nice thing is essentially this is time traveling. That's what, it, yep. that's what event sourcing is. It allows yep. you to essentially go back in time and, and figure out any point in time what the state of everything should look like, which is pretty dang cool. So, yeah, yeah, I, I'm definitely interested in it. And, you know, like we've said about 10 times already, it really depends on the on the project. But if, if for nothing else, I, I'll definitely kind of go through it as a as an exercise. Yeah. So this, let's talk real quickly about this idea of finite state machines. This is something that I'm looking into right now. Have you heard of this? What finite state machines are? Uh, I've heard the term, and I'm okay. I vaguely recall having worked with something that I called a state machine in the past. Okay. So I'm very so that anybody who knows this is going to be like, oh my gosh, you got this so wrong. And I know I'm just kind of getting into it. But this idea that like you have this state and anything can only ever be in one state and you have a list of like states and transitions. So you have like doors open, that's a state. And then you have a transition or transformation. It's like called close, right? Close the door. And then the state after Mm -hmm. that is closed. Mm -hmm. Then you have another arrow going back to the other one called opening. And then it's you know, the trans the transition is opening and then the, the door is now in an open state. Yeah. So it has a finite list of states that this item can be in and transitions between each one of them. So that's that's kind of what I'm looking at for this process where I have this this really complicated flow chart because I have multiple parallel tracks that are happening. And to try and figure out where this one particular record is in that flow would be freaking impossible. I yeah. mean, it would just not be possible to have. So what I what I will probably have is I will have a master record that will like, here is the data that all of these processes that are going to flow from this need to know. So like, here's the client, here's the claim number, here is the balance, here is the overpayment amount, here is the person who was originally handling the claim. And then you have these multiple tracks that split off from that and they reference that item. So they say like, hey, this is the banking track. Here are the multiple finite, here's the finite list of states that it could be in for the banking people. Here's the finite list of states that it can be in for the collector and HR track. Here's the finite list of states that it can be for the client services and banking track. So you can have these multiple sets of tracks and then you can have these transitions that essentially allow you to transition from state to state. But you can store those, you can figure out exactly what happened in order to be able to almost like replay those states. So Mm -hmm. I think you actually probably could do both here you could probably do like a finite state machine with event sourcing hmm, potentially which would be interesting too because then you could replay up to a certain point and figure out hey what was it at like what who did what to get it to this point yeah um i mean i wouldn't yeah i with a finite state machine i wouldn't say that it, the state machine and the event sourcing would be mutually exclusive so yeah i can't see why you couldn't implement yeah, both of them right um but one thing that's going to bug you which which we'll probably wrap up on because we're getting long now. But what if yeah. the door is ajar? Is the door open? <laughs> so they actually do. Or is it in a closing so have, state? So they have. They actually have like a four, four one where it says like, okay, you have an open state, and then you have uh, open, and then it goes to an opening state. Mm-hmm. And if it's continuing to be opened, then it goes to an open state. If it gets interrupted at opening and goes to close, then it goes to a closing state. And then mm-hmm. if it's, you know what I mean? So you have like this four, it still yeah. can be represented that way though. So you can have as many of those as you wanted in between, which is interesting. 
Hmm. So I'll have to send you the Wikipedia article. That yeah, really does we'll put a that in the show notes. Explaining it. And there's different types of models of these finite state machines. But I was first looking at this when um, when I was looking at some view component stuff. But what it does is it really just helps to give you a um, a really solid mental model of like, okay, I need to figure out all the different states that I can be in and the different transitions between those states. And it really kind of just helps to clear up hmm. um, when you have a kind of a messy list of like, I know these are these are the different states we'll be in. Like I don't know how to get from one to the other. Whatever it really kind of helps to just build some scaffolding around that to help you p- build a better mental model. Yeah. So anyway, I'm looking into it. I'll I'll report back with my findings. Yeah, it'd be good to good to hear how you progress with that, and if you do manage to get the the two working together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I I think I would like to be able to do that. I think this is a perfect. This is a perfect candidate for this. It's going to be really important to be able to kind of like replay and figure out hey Hmm. where was it at on this date you know yeah kind of thing so anyway nice cool yeah it is 12 10 my friend so and uh yeah i think we'll we'll wrap it up i hear the little guy upstairs getting Uh, restless so your eldest it's his birthday next week double is he is he gonna be nine or is he gonna be 10 mine um well let me think here no it is my whose birthday is it it's not Graham's. Graham's birthday is in November. Let me think. Whose birthday Who's is the it? The youngest. Someone. Oh, my youngest. My youngest. Youngest. Yeah. yeah. Yep, yep, yep. My youngest. He's gonna be one. It's gonna be one. That's yeah, right. Duh. What am yeah. I thinking? Of course I knew that. I knew it was his <laughs> birthday. We've been planning his birthday yeah. for like. You threw me off when you said my oldest. Yeah, my youngest. Sorry. Yeah, it's youngest. He just started walking yesterday. Nice. So crazy. It's right on track. Crazy man. times. <laughs> yep. Right on track. All right. What episode are we on? What episode is this? Forty-five. Okay. The favorite. Everybody. Can we skip 45? Maybe we shouldn't have 45. I don't like the number what? 45 oh. at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Can we say it's 44 oh and a half? Let's do it. 44 and a half. Let's do it. Hey, yeah, how are you going to do the show notes? You're going to have to do it for 45 though. Uh, damn. All right, we'll we'll call it episode 44 We'll call it 45. Yeah. All right. All right, 45 it is. Hey, we'll say 44 and a half, but we've got to do our intro okay. and then we'll just label it as 45. No, it's fine. Okay. All right, that's fine. 44 and a half. If you, liked, uh, if you liked the episode already, uh, you can find show notes for this episode at northmeetsouth.audio slash 45. Of course, if you have questions for us, please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. We always love to hear from listeners and love to answer your questions if you have any. And if you could give us a five-star review in uh, in iTunes, that would be awesome. I think we actually had a couple of reviews, maybe? We did, did we yeah. a new review? Yeah. We did. We did have one. It was from Andy. Yep, just Andy LF from Australia. There you go. Nice. I've reached my own audience for a change. He says, with five stars, a great way to learn about the latest happenings in real-world Laravel, PHP, and JavaScript development. Michael and Jake are two down-to-earth hosts who managed to teach me new information while simultaneously helping me feel like I'm doing okay and not totally out of my league. Uh, it's good to hear, and thank you, Andy. Yeah, we're, we're all, we all feel like that, I think, most of the time. Um, I, I certainly know I, I don't know what I'm doing a lot of the time so yeah you are just not figuring alone. it out as we go that's it yep it is and we all get lucky breaks every now and then and people are like people think we're smarter than we are and yeah and we get paid to do paid to learn which is great yeah so there we go all right thanks everybody for listening we will hopefully talk to you in a couple of weeks see you bye <laughs>